0: Welcome to My Name Is Not Steve, the podcast by storytellers about storytelling with people not named Steve. Hey, this is Pete Bauer.
1: And I am Dorothea Bauer.
0: And welcome to My Name Is Not Steve.
1: We are not named Steve.
0: We are still, after all this time.
1: Can you really say that?
0: (laughs) No, that's... Honestly? (laughs) People will still call me Steve, that's true. true. But officially, my name is not Steve. We are storytellers that talk about storytelling.
1: And today is a very, 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 very special episode of this podcast. Wow. I know. <laughs> wow. I actually thought about... I don't know, about... I think you just
0: set the bar really high <laughs> with all those varies.
1: I actually thought about stopping after the third, mm. but, you know, I just decided to go for it.
0: You know, I thought we could live up to two varies, but now, now I really feel like we're under the gun. It's going to be a problem. All right, so we just released our first novel, Neil and Pray. Um, it's the first of the Gabby Wells Thriller series. And we have a launch team. We formed a launch team to help us promote the book. And uh, they've been great. They've been awesome. And we're hoping that uh, they'll help us get as many reviews as possible at the release of the book for the whole social proof thing.
1: And we've gotten really positive feedback from our beta readers and now from the launch team about the book, so that is very exciting.
0: You know, it, it makes me think of... <laughs> The first book that we wanted to publish. <laughs>
1: that we wanted to
0: publish? <laughs> it's more of a collective we.
1: I don't think that's entirely true. I think we should clarify that statement and say the first book you wanted to publish. We're a
0: team. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's because of that partnership <laughs> that we did not.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I just think of the first book that we collectively mm-hmm. wanted to publish sure. com- compared to this this one now and it's pretty amazing the difference between I don't know effectiveness skill talent interest
1: plot all of it <laughs> well that story has just gone through such an incredible journey if you think about where Gabby Wells really started which for us was about eight years ago
0: Yep, Gabby Wells was originally an idea for a movie trilogy, back when we had a film company, and we came up with a really cool movie trilogy arc for her character, and it was kind of fun. and And it's surprising how vastly different that Gabby is than the one we have today. I mean, it's true, insanely different.
1: The main plot element of the original trilogy we've still kept in mind for future books, but the story has just changed so completely.
0: And she's changed out of necessity, as we've kind of figured all this stuff out. But it's really, I mean, I wouldn't even recognize that version of Gabby. It's pretty amazing.
1: But to catch you guys up, for those of you who have not listened to our podcast before or don't know us at all, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, we're on
0: Facebook. <laughs> I mean, we're we're those guys. Exactly. On Facebook.
1: You know, the person that you have no mutual friends with.
0: Right. That would be us. <laughs>
1: that again for those of you
0: (laughs) under that criteria we are everywhere
1: (laughs) for those of you who don't know you were originally a screenwriter dad i was when we had our film company and you wrote a bunch of things a few of which we filmed most of which we didn't due to not having money to film it (laughs) You came up with this idea for the trilogy, and because we didn't really have the money to film a trilogy, at least not to the extent that we wanted to have it done, you decided, well, what if we created a television show? And then you put... (laughs) Because
0: that would be easier.
1: (laughs) You put Gabby in high school, and you had her solve different mysteries in high school that eventually led to the trilogy. So it be, you, so it started. <laughs> it started with a movie trilogy. You're,
0: you're making this very clear. And
1: went to a TV show. Then you decided to do away with all of that and start writing novels. So this could not be more backwards. Yeah. Of a process. All right.
0: Let me let me try to help you <laughs> through that. So I wrote screenplays. I started writing screenplays years earlier when I was actually working in the entertainment industry. And I, I mean, I didn't do a lot with that. I, I won some minor awards and some got optioned and, and things like that. But the point is, is that I was able to teach myself how to tell a story and I had enough validation within the industry to, to know that I could do that pretty well. So after I left the industry, it was still the way that I, it was my creative outlet. So, so I'd write at least one screenplay a year. And so when we decided to start a film company in two thousand seven two thousand eight, I started writing screenplays, and that's where the Gabby Wells thing came in. Now we created a short web series called Nikki and Babs, which
1: which is not necessary to watch. It's, it's okay because you're in it. It's you know it's not really important.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the why? You're it's a it's it's cute. It
1: it's you know it's, it's I don't cute. think it's available online. <laughs> I think you should just breeze on by. Banned
0: on the interweb. Is that what you're saying?
1: (laughs) I actually had someone at work come up to me the other day and say, Oh, I recognize you from this web series that we did. And I became very uncomfortable and didn't know what to say. So I just backed away slowly and said, (laughs) Oh, thanks.
0: (laughs) I had a guy at work recently come up and say that he bought it for his youth group. So, yeah, you're still out there, you know? So after we made that, though, it was successful for what we were trying to achieve at that time. And that's where the TV series came into play because we're like, hey, if we could make a web series, which is like 15 minutes long, we could make a half hour TV series, which is about 25 minutes long with commercials. We hoped that the economy was going to improve and then we'd have more resources available to us. But we didn't. So we had to move on so when I decided to publish my own stuff obviously the Gabby Wells character seemed to be the right choice because we had the most material for that already in a creative world so to speak I took like the first season of the TV series and wrote the first novel and um, we wrote that about 100 times and it was awful for 99.9 of those times then I started writing the second novel at that time you know I was having so much trouble rewriting
1: the problem is novel writing is so vastly different from screenwriting yeah everything about the way you reveal information is different you don't have to describe a lot you don't have to describe environment or atmosphere because all of that will be displayed visually you don't really have to insinuate any kind of inflection in the way that the characters are talking cuz that's up to the actor and the way they choose to play the character And the biggest problem you had when transitioning to novel writing was that in novels you reveal information slowly and over time throughout the book. And in screenplays you give as much relevant information as needed right at the beginning. So when you introduce a character, you'll say, for example, this is Kristen, 17, cute, pretty, has a boyfriend, whatever the necessary information is for that scene to make sense. And so when you started writing novels, there was a lot of... Janice feels this way about this and she has dreams of doing this and this is going to happen in the future and learning how to reveal that information slowly was one of the biggest challenges i think you had at first
0: yeah because in screenplays you're not writing the finished product you're writing a a creative outline that someone else is going to finish for you so your job as a screenwriter is to give the actor enough really quick basic information that they can use to spring forward on their own creative side so that's why you have to say She's 17. She's short. She's feisty. She's like a chihuahua in heels or something like that And that's all you say really you don't do a lot and then you let the actor go so yeah learning that and also just learning how to Explain a world in words that normally someone else would explain visually off of your idea That took a lot of brain power and a lot of training my brain how to do that so and
1: it was really difficult for both of us to just talk about this story without describing it visually because We would talk about revealing scenes in terms of how we would film them. So we would say things like, well, in this scene, Gabby, it's like a close-up of her face, but then you pan to reveal this and this and this, and then there's mist and all this other stuff that just doesn't come across in a book.
0: Yeah, you write that in a novel and they don't know what the hell you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Pan? What? (laughs) All right. So it's been quite a journey to get to here.
0: It has. It has. But I'm very happy that we took the time. One of the best things that happened was that I read a book by Michael Hyatt called Platform. It's about building your own online platform, and it's very busy out there in the online world and very noisy, and it's hard to rise above everybody. So that's the whole idea of a platform. And probably the one of the most important things that he said, I think it was like the third chapter, and it annoyed the hell out of me because...
1: You want it, it to be done. <laughs>
0: I'm very impatient. <laughs> he said you have to create a wow product not just a product not just a competing product but a wow product and it was that kinda thing where we would say over and over again well we're getting there but it's not a wow product yet and that forced me to be patient because one of the really cool things about the current independent publishing space is that if you have an idea you can post it and make it available right away the bad thing about that is you can do that immediately you know, a lot of people harp on traditional publishing, but one of the good things about that is that there's a process and a flow and it takes a little time, I think too much time, but it takes a a little time and through enough filters that it kind of validates, hopefully, that it's reached a certain level of creative excellence. And and with self-publishing, way too many times people put things up because they think they're done, because at this point in their life, it's the best it's gonna be, but it's still not good enough if you look at it objectively.
1: And there's another really great thing we learned from other authors online, which basically said, if you are not in love with your story, if you're not in love with the characters, if you have no problem putting the book down and moving on to something else, then no one else is going to like it. It's your story. No one's going to love it as much as you are.
0: Right. And if you're not excited about it, if you have any reservations about it, then it's not ready. And there were plenty of times where I just wanted to be done because after 100 drafts of the same story, which was based on a TV series season, 13 episodes, I had written that story so many freaking times. I just <laughs> wanted it to be over. But thankfully, we kind of kept saying, well, it's not ready yet. And you were really the, the the throttle or the governor, I should say, for that because you were the one who's like, no, we're not quite there yet. I was just so over rewriting that story. And in the end, by the time I had written the second novel a couple of times, rewriting the first novel was so painful because it was also a learning process for my brain. And then I started rewriting the second novel, and you came to me and said something pure evil. (laughs) You said, well, why don't you just rewrite it from scratch? And I wanted to claw your eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) Because you were like, well, free yourself from all the expectations and all the pain and whatever that you've struggled with getting it to where it is right now and just start over. You know the story, just start over. And i like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm almost done. Why would I want to start over? <laughs> so then I was like, I was struggling so much. I'm like, crap, I'll try it. Whatever. Stupid <laughs> idea anyway. <laughs> and so then after like the first chapter, I'm like, damn, this is so much easier. And then when I started rewriting the second novel, I was like, This is so much better than the first novel, like substantially better than the first novel that I can't use the first novel. And then I thought, oh, now I'd start over again. So I ended up throwing out both novels, not their basic story, but those versions of them. And at the same time, I was listening to all these podcasts about all these things that you do to create funnels so that you, you give away a f- book for free and then more people try it and some of those people buy your next book or whatever. And that that's an evolving model anyway. But at the time, it was like, give something away for free. So I thought, well, you know what I'll do is I'll write a novella that will precede each novel. At this point, it was five novels. And we thought, well, let's do a free novella and then novel one, then free novella and novel two. So that was the plan. So I write like three or four novellas in preparation for the five novels. And then as I wrote them, everyone that kind of read them at that point said, they really need to be novels. I was like, oh. So then I had potentially 10 novels. And this is when I really hadn't written any yet. Except I wrote, (laughs) well, I wrote two, but threw them away. So my head was about to explode, but it was right. (laughs) At the end of the day, the one thing I've learned from all of my time in theater and in television and in writing in any form after that is that criticism kind of falls into two categories. It's either right, or the person doesn't get it. So for example, usually you know when you write something, what's wrong with it? And you're hoping that those weak spots that you know are there, you're hoping no one recognizes. So if someone recognizes those weak spots, then even though you don't want to admit it, they're right. And you just have to be honest with yourself and say, they're right, and then go fix it. Some people want your story to be something else completely. So you'll write a thriller about a teen, and they'll say, you know, it'd be really funny if there was an elephant in it. And you'd be like, <laughs> that would be really funny, but this isn't funny, and there's not going to be one. So you kind of dismiss those criticisms because those people aren't getting what you're trying to do, and you have to evaluate whether they're they're not getting it for something you've done or they just have an expectation that's completely different than yours. And you can just agree to disagree and move on. So when people were giving me feedback that these novellas really should be novels, because the stories really need to be expanded more. As much as I hated that idea, because I was, I just wanted to finish something, I knew they were right. And I was like, crap. So at this point I had theoretically 10 novels now. I went from five to 10. So then I had to look at my novellas and then figure out how best to convert those into novels. And the key thing here is that about, I don't know, so this is probably like the fifth or sixth thing I'd written. I finally figured out the mood and tone of the story. I'd already written some novellas, but it was like the second or third one that I kind of realized, oh, this is how all the stories should sound. This is how Gabby should be. It's a little darker than I thought. So I had a problem because my first novella that introduced everything was really kind of fun. It was
1: fun and lighthearted and fantastic. Yes. And I hope we release it someday just so people can see where everything started. It was very entertaining.
0: Yeah. But I couldn't use it because the tone wouldn't work, and I tried to give it that tone, but it just betrayed everything that made it good. So I had to put that one aside and then start over, and then I'm like, well, now I I need a new way to introduce Gabby again. So this is now like the third time, because I had the first one that I threw away that we wrote 100 times. And then I wrote the novella that we had to not use because it wasn't the right tone. So then I had to reintroduce Gabby again for the third time, which made me want to kill myself. <laughs> so that's where Neil and Prey came from. And then I just started working through that story. I pulled some stuff from those original two stories about how he introduced the characters, things that I liked. But then the rest of the story was all new.
1: So it's been interesting to see Gabby's character evolve through each of these different mediums, first with the films, then with the television series, then with the novellas, and now with the novels. She's a completely different character than she started out as, and I think she's better for it. I think she's more complex and dynamic. I think she's more flawed, which is very interesting, and it's gonna be exciting to see where her journey takes her.
0: It really is interesting, even as the writer, or the creator the character, how things like that can change, but it's kind of out of necessity too. When you look at, as I learned, the depth that is required writing a novel versus writing a screenplay or a TV script, there needs to be a lot more meat on the bone to pick from as you're going through the story. Gabby's character has to have far more depth ...than what you would just show in a movie trilogy because, again, you don't need to do that. It's really about the character going through stuff. It's not a character piece, so to speak. But novels are. So it took a long time to find that Gabby needed to be more broken as a person, struggle more internally, and have greater obstacles externally to go through... But at the end of the day, I think what we came up with in Kneel and Pray, I humbly say, is a wow product. So I think all the feedback that we've received so far has been exceptionally positive, which was not true when we had people beta read the other stuff before now.
1: It's been really exciting to see how all of it has played out. And I honestly believe that advice to create a WoW product was the best advice that you could have gotten. I think it really forced you to take a hard look at your writing, which is something all authors have to do, and it's never enjoyable. You know, it really forced you to up your game and I think the story is so much better for it and when I say up your game I don't just mean in terms of the story because we've been through that journey and how difficult that was and how much better the story is because of it but I also talk about the representation of the story with book covers and marketing and branding and all of that other stuff when we decided to create a wow product in terms of story we realized everything else had to match that and part of doing that meant forking out some cash
0: yeah, and also throwing away stuff that you thought was pretty good before. I mean, we created book covers for all the, the five original novels and spent a lot of time on those.
1: Although i just like to clarify that um, as I was the model in those book covers, I'm going to say they were average. You're wrong.
0: No, they're really good, actually, but they're not good enough is the thing because i i wasn't good enough as a graphic designer to really give it the edge that it really needs in comparison to what else is out there you know one of the things that we learned from uh, our film experience our film company experience is that no one cares what your budget is right no one cares artistically what your limitations are all they care about is that is it entertaining and does it meet my expectations as a consumer so, when you're making a low-budget movie, nobody cares that you don't have any money or you don't can't afford anything. If your acting's bad and your story's bad and your sound is bad and the locations aren't great or any one of those things don't work, then your movie is not good enough as what's being put out in Hollywood.
1: And we've seen plenty of films. Yes. That are missing.
0: <laughs> missing core elements.
1: <laughs> core elements. Yeah.
0: So, I was very cognizant of that when we were starting down this idea of writing books because at the end of the day it doesn't matter that i'm learning and this is the best i can do at this time in my life it doesn't matter if it's not going to be able to compete then it's going to suck i mean the the consumer won't care
1: and that's even true for popular authors who have established fan bases if you write something that's not up to par with your other work your fans will actually be offended
0: right they'll be mad so anyway what was nice about that is all the stuff that we learned prior to this kind of really helped us be as objective as possible when creating this book series because we knew that we had to compete with the big boys. That was just a necessity. The good thing about that is that you control your story, you control your characters, you control that. You have to outsource certain things like editing and book cover design and you have to develop your marketing. But the difference and the reason I like writing novels so much more than I do making films is that you control everything. So there were plenty of times where I'd have a really good idea that I couldn't I couldn't put on screen because I didn't have the budget to get the equipment or the lighting or the location to put it on screen. Here I can put my character in any situation whatsoever and then I can control what happens to them. So the point is is that you can be as successful as you want to be if you're willing to put in the time and be honest with yourself about where you are in the process and what your expectations are with the novel. So the challenge in writing a book series obviously is that the first novel has to be as good as you can make it because and in our case there are eight other books after this the whole thing is nine books long and so no one's gonna take a chance on books two three and four if they're not satisfied with book one what I found really as I'm writing book two is that's even more so with book two because what the reader and the consumer are going to want to know is that the first book wasn't a fluke right so the second book also has to be equally or even better than the first book so that they trust Okay, I'll go down the rest till the end of the nine books, you know. Those first two books are really, really important in that case. Of course you can't betray that going forward anyway, but as far as getting consumer buy in, those first two books are really important.
1: So we've got the first book done. Yep. And working on book two right now. Yep. Keeping in mind they have to be WoW products. Yep. And it's really exciting to get to work.
0: It is. And one of the things I really wanted to focus on in this whole series is to create what's called a page turner.
1: <laughs>
0: See, we broke into song. <laughs> Actually, it was more of a sound effect.
1: It is a sound effect. Yeah. You don't need actual sound effects. You've got me.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> so I wanted to create a page turner, and when I looked at other authors who did it very well, I mean, the, the key to that, and this is really just structural, The key to that is just at the end of the chapter, you must go on to the next chapter. Right? You leave them either in a cliffhanger or you leave them wanting more information or whatever. I actually learned how to do that writing screenplays. There's a thing in in screenwriting called coming in late and leaving early. And Law & Order, the original show, does this great, is that in film you want to be as concise as possible. Law & Order, for example, they'll start a scene and the two cops are at a deli and the guy's making a sandwich. And then they're talking to him and and the first question is something like, so how'd you know the rape victim, right? That's coming in really late because you didn't see him get there. You didn't see them establish the deli. You didn't introduce the deli owner. You didn't say, hey, we have some questions we'd like to ask you about an investigation, whatever. You just came in and said, how do you know the rape victim? And then the minute that they get the information they need, they leave or they cut to another scene. And that's leaving early. You don't see them leave the shop. You don't see them talking about it. They just go. And that's the way Law & Order does. It comes in very late and leaves very early. And when you're writing screenplays, you're always trying to find at the end of that scene, of each scene, a really good moment that will propel you to the next scene. And oftentimes, it's a, it's a line from the character or something. Because there's been plenty of times when I've written screenplays where I've had the scene go longer, but I I'm, as I'm typing it, I write a line and I go, ooh, good stopping point right that's a good hook or catch or something and then I just forget the rest of the scene if there's information that's really important at the end of that scene I just put it somewhere else in the story but that helped me when I was creating the the novels and the same thing had happened when I'd write a novel is I would have an idea where the scene would end but I would get to a point and go oh this is a good stopping point because it'll make me want to read the next chapter you know for anyone who's writing and they want to create a page turner I just write it as write the chapter as you plan but then it shouldn't end where you know everything or there's nowhere I need to go urgently, you know? So let's say the story, Dorothy, is about you and your character in one chapter finds out that their father got remarried, right? So that's how your chapter ends. But what you would wanna do is end it right before you find out that information, right? So, you know, you get to the point where, well, where is he? You'd add a line that would entice them to go to the next chapter. and the beginning of the next chapter, you would find out that your father remarried. So I would just write a whole chapter out and then I'd see where it ended and i go, now it kind of ended flat. So I'd just look where sometimes I'd have to go back in that chapter and end it earlier, right at a, at a cliffhanger point, or I'd go into the next chapter where I'd find a similar point and I would just extend the chapter. And, and I just moved this information around so that when I got to the, to the end of a chapter, it had something that I needed to go to the next one. And after a while, I was able to kind of plan this out in my head better, but it took me a while to figure that out.
1: And people have said Gabby Wells' Neil and Prey is a page turner.
0: It is. And it's kind of weird because I've heard authors go, well, I've written a lot of books, but I just decided to write a page turner. I'm like, you're writing a novel. They should all be page turners (laughs) by definition. I don't know. I guess that's a difference between like literature and like, you know, a thriller like ours. But anyway, I think all books should be page turners because they include pages. (laughs) For which you have to turn so
1: dad. What century do you live in? I know. I I have a Kindle.
0: I don't know what you're talking
1: about (laughs) (laughs) So this really has been quite an interesting journey that we've been on watching the story develop and grow and making Sacrifices and huge changes and putting Gabby through utter hell and it's definitely been interesting But Gabby's actually come to mean a lot in our lives.
0: Yes, she has not left me alone since 2008
1: That's so true. And
0: she's let's see she has been um, at almost every meal, every baseball <laughs> game, I, I, every conversation, every thought while I'm driving. Yeah, I really can't wait to finish this novel so I can think of somebody else. <laughs> she has been in my brain for a very, very, very long time.
1: Multitasking is not entirely your strong suit. Not at all, actually. <laughs> no, Gabby is, is definitely very interesting, and for me... Where she started when we were planning on making the movies and television shows, I was going to play her. So there were a lot of things that you wrote in those original episodes that played to my strengths as an actor. So in a lot of ways, Gabby was very much like me at the beginning. (laughs) Yes which was rather embarrassing to read in novel form like if i'm completely honest (laughs) there were some things about myself that i honestly didn't know until i read them in your book because you're my father so you wrote things you knew about me as my father and so i'd read something about but gabby's like this because of this and i'd be like huh well (laughs)
0: look at that Yeah, because my brother Paul, who's one of our beta readers, he always said early on when he was reading the early versions of things, going, well, I I don't see Gabby, I just see Dorothea. So it was based on you, but but that was so you could succeed as an actor. I mean, that's why I did it that way originally. And then it became the foundation for what she became later.
1: But thankfully, Gabby has grown and evolved past me. I feel the need to state that, kind of as a disclaimer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's not actually like you at all anymore.
1: (laughs) Because Gabby... Make some choices in the books that I personally would not have made. I don't want anyone thinking that that is based on me. I actually remember when we filmed Nikki and Babs, there was an episode where my character, Nikki, was a complete jerk, and she was just awful. And all my friends watched this and punched me, literally, and they're like, why would you say that? That's so mean. And I'm like it's a script <laughs> like, i i didn't choose these words of my own power
0: but it's just it's not me okay it's not real
1: <laughs> there was a camera there and everything
0: yeah but it was it is interesting part of the evolution that you're right i mean it was started as a character that you were going to play back when you were acting and so obviously i would write it to your strengths as you mentioned but it wasn't until throwing away those novels and working on the novellas that I really found the the voice and the theme for the story. And that Gabby is very, very different from that original one. She has like pieces of you left in there, kind of like at her core and structure. But she is not like you really at all anymore. Disclaimer. Disclaimer.
1: Official. Official disclaimer. <laughs>
0: One of the things that we added on purpose in the story was a faith component. Because one of the things that's always intrigued me, and it's part of my challenge as a person, is do I want to live up to the expectations of my faith? Everybody who has any level of faith kind of goes through this struggle. They have to make that decision. And so I liked adding that to Gabby's character because it transcends any of the obstacles that she's facing within the stories. In other words... Gabby's struggle is not only trying to overcome what is in front of her physically and emotionally right at that moment but also she's struggling with how she does it and how that plays into her potential eternal soul and to me that's such an awesome and effective choice as a writer because it adds a layer of conflict that not a lot of people really participate in or or explore so it's really cool that way it's not an overtly religious story but it just does have that faith component because when teenagers i know i had to make this decision when teenagers are moving from childhood to adulthood they have to figure out what parts of their childhood they're going to bring with them and part of that is their faith part of that is i grew up in this faith am i going to take this with me am i going to accept it am i going to embrace it am i going to ignore it that kind of thing and so I thought just adding that layer, it was a specific choice to add a, a much greater consequence to everything that she does, an overarching consequence to her journey, that I'm just surprised more authors don't do it, because it adds gravity, right, to what they're doing.
1: It definitely does. And to highlight that point, ahem.
0: Oh, at the end of the description on the back of the at book? At the
1: end of the description at the back of the book. If she failed, more than just bloodshed was at stake. Gabby could very well lose her soul in the process and end up in hell, right next to her murderer. dun dun
0: <laughs> But that's one of the reasons I added it, because it's such a great source of conflict, and I think most people can identify with it, because, well, everybody struggles whether they're going to do something right or wrong. And for anyone who's been raised in a faith, it's tied to that religion and tied to that faith. So, So the definition of what is right and wrong is tied to that. And so for Gabby, it's really, really difficult as she's trying to figure this out. I mean, that she's trying to stop people from doing very bad things, and at the same time, she's worrying about how she's doing it and hoping that God isn't too pissed off at her. And, and honestly, there are times where she really cares about whether God is upset, and many times where she doesn't really care at all <laughs> because she just has to do what she needs to do to get to the next point. But again, to me, that is very honest with most people is that... There are plenty of times in my life where I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to sacrifice. And other times it's like, do I have to really? (laughs) Today, I don't really want to. And it's, again, a really cool struggle to add that I think adds a great layer to the story.
1: So Gabby Wells is officially available on Amazon.com. Check it out. You can order the book. Listen. Did you hear that?
0: That's amazing. I
1: don't know. It's a book. So, Although there's absolutely no evidence that the book I just <laughs> They're going to have to trust you and I I
0: will say after this podcast I don't know if they do.
1: Can you blame them? <laughs> I
0: can't at all. Yeah, so the book is available on Amazon exclusively for the first 3 months. It'll be available for 99 cents for the first couple of weeks and then after that, it will be available for 2.99 and eventually the book will be available on all other platforms as well, iBooks, and Kobo, we haven't figured out the timing for that yet, but that's the plan. So it'll start out on Kindle and end up everywhere else in a matter of time.
1: So check it out, review it, rate it, all that jazz. Fantastic. Ninety nine cents. Go on Facebook yes and find us be our mutual friend and (laughs) be friends with gabby gabby wells has a facebook profile so check
0: it out there's a gabby wells fan page you're going to want to look for sunlight press s-o-n-l-i-g-h-t press on facebook if you want to friend us there
1: and we'll leave links for that below in the show notes as well
0: that's right so that is our gabby wells kneel and praise special it's very exciting this has been almost a decade in the making and i I wanted to not be indulgent, but I just wanted us to take the time to really kind of go over the process and the journey of getting here. I know some of our longtime fans may have heard some of this before, but for any new fans to the series, we wanted to give them the backstory of how we got here and what we plan on doing in the future.
1: It's very exciting.
0: Which is write eight more books.
1: (laughs) Now, normally we end My Name is Not Steve with a spoiler alert. (laughs) That
0: would be a very bad idea.
1: But seeing (laughs) as we have no interest in spoiling our own stories, only other people's.
0: (laughs) That's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to pass on that this week.
0: (laughs) So this has been our kneel and praise special, Dorothea. Did it meet your very, very level of expectation?
1: No, there was no singing.
0: Well, that was your own fault, because you're the one who sings.
1: I think you could sing. <laughs> I don't you think tried. anyone really wants to hear that. <laughs> well, Dad, we're supposed to be giving people an insight into a world they've never seen before. <laughs> you're so
0: full of crap. All right, why don't you then sing?
1: No. People oh. hear me sing every week at church. You're the one whose singing is special. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't even say that with a straight face. All right. Well, that's not going to happen either. (laughs) So this has been fraught with disappointment this whole episode. It's really nice. You
1: know what will make you feel better? Head over to (laughs) Amazon.com. Check out Neil and Pray. 99
0: cents. 99 cents for a (laughs) limited time. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you guys next time.
1: Bye.